Afternoon, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is June 8th, and last night, Atlanta United and LAFC played to a 0-0 draw at BMO Stadium in beautiful Los Angeles, California. It was a bizarre, bizarre game with a couple of memorable highlights but unfortunately, a whole lot of lowlights for the team, and, and we're going to get into some of those in just a minute. I want to remind you that you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I also want to tell you that this podcast is going to also preview a little bit the D.C. United game on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We won't have a podcast on Friday for that for reasons that just don't need to be gotten into right now. The rest of this podcast, you're going to hear from Atlanta United manager Gonzalo Pineda, as well as Brad Guzan and Franco Abara, uh, who all had fantastic games for Atlanta United last night. Again, 0-0 draw. And with the draw, Atlanta United improved to 6-4-7 and seven this season, but they only have one win in their past seven games, which is not very good. They have four consecutive draws. They are up to fifth in the East at 25 points. They are within two of New England for fourth. They remain 14 points behind Cincinnati. And if you want to go the other way, 10 points ahead of last place Miami, which uh, is going to add a pretty significant player here soon, perhaps a significant manager and perhaps some more significant players. And we're going to get into that in the mailbag. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I really just can't help you. At this point, if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Okay, so I said at the beginning, Atlanta United and LAFC drew 0-0. And it would not have been a draw if not for the heroic efforts of Brad Guzan, who had one of the best games uh, from any player at any position I've seen in Atlanta United's history. And I've been covering the team since... Well, before it even started playing, uh, he made eight saves, probably should have been credited for ninth, which would have been a personal best, but uh, he wasn't. He saved a penalty kick that then had to be retaken and was missed by Carlos Vela, who earned the penalty with a dubious dive of which he has dozens and dozens since he joined Major League Soccer and to get the penalty. Uh, so a little karma coming back. The Brad Guzan was the good. Defensively, Miles Robinson and Juanjo Parata played well. Those are three. The bad is offensively, Robinson and Parata kept giving away the ball. 
Atlanta United did not put a single shot on goal for the first time in franchise history. It was the there's a Chicago game in 2019 in which they scored on a penalty kick, but penalty kicks don't count as shots on goal for whatever reason. Um, so they, they did get a goal in that game. They didn't have a shot on goal, but they did score. So I kind of made an exception for that one. So offensively, it was just an awful game. And it was all the worse because Atlanta United fielded what should be its strongest offensive lineup. Jorge Shakamaki's at striker, Arahujo at wing, Etienne, uh, prize free agent signing at the other wing, Almada at attacking midfielder, who's at two at central midfielder, Gutman and Lennon as your wing backs, and put them all together. They created four shots and created four chances. Just kept giving away the ball left and right. It was, it was weird. I mean, Atlanta United is the second highest scoring team in Major League Soccer, and they couldn't put a shot on goal against an LAFC team that was still strong, but didn't field its strongest team. But anyway, let's get into the audio. Gonzalo Pineda was asked uh, after the New England match, which was a 3-3 draw last week, how did he feel about the 0-0 draw against LAFC? Yeah, a little bit different, I think. A little bit different because I felt that uh, last week we played very good. And we didn't get the point. I think today, especially the second half, probably we didn't play our best football. But uh, but we got one point. So it was a bit of positive. We were working very hard on defending and defending crosses, being under pressure and how we shut down the, the goal. And I felt that uh, some tremendous performances defensively for our back line was pretty good. Obviously, we want to play better, especially away. Uh, but uh, happy with the... The mentality of keeping the clean sheet, uh, clean sheet always give us a point, and it's a tough opponent. It's the champion. It's the team that is on top in the East. It's the team that went to the final in CCL. So we have to respect that and value this point because it was it was earned for good defending. A clean sheet on the road is always a fantastic thing, and Atlanta United does deserve a lot of credit for that. As I said, Brad. And uh, Miles Robinson and Juanjo Parata played fantastically well in that regard. Um, Miles Robinson completely dominated uh, Bawanga, the highest, I think he's the highest scoring player in Major League Soccer uh, this season so far. Just had him in his pocket all game. But they just kept giving away the ball, particularly the first 20 minutes. It was, it was painful to watch. And I, I don't know how much of that is them, and I don't know how much of it is is having midfielders in Abara, who's very good defensively and who's getting better offensively, and Huzetu, who I'm still do, does I do not know what he brings in the midfield, and Almada having to drop way way back to get the ball, which then leaves not a whole lot of options going forward. It's just uh, I, I keep talking about this, and I know it doesn't matter. It's shouting at the wind, but the formation is just not working. And you could say, well, they've scored the second most goals on Major League Soccer. That's true. But when you watch the games, particularly the last few, you could just sense that something isn't right. And I, I'm not smart enough to tell you what it is, but it's one of those things where you know it when you see it. Um Okay, so they scored three goals against New England. But let's look at those goals really quickly. Miguel Berry scored a worldie. You could give him 10 chances to hit that shot again, and it's probably not going to go in. 
Yakamaki's goal was a bounce around in the box that he was able to get to first. And Almada's was a deflection. That's three goals that you can't count on every game. There's just not a – when you think about goal scoring and teams that are playing well, you could see team-built goals. You know, a ball inside, ball goes back outside, cross in, header in, something like that. That's not how those goals were scored. So, anyway, I think there there should be some concerns. Um, but let's focus on the positives again. Brad Guzan, just a fantastic performance. Here's Pineda talking about the goalkeeper and team captain. As always, I think Brad uh, is always very good. I think uh, I understand at times there's criticism to goalkeepers because one mistake and they're killed. But today was a great response by, by Brad. We know this is the level that he can give us. And I'm just happy that he had that performance today. And here's Pineda on the team's attacking play and what could be better. I think uh, if we divide the, the game in halves, the first half, I felt we were disrupting very well the pressure from LAFC. Uh, at some point in the middle, once we break the first line of pressure, either it was a foul from the opponent and caught kind of the rhythm that we were having and the momentum in the build-up phase, uh, or we were choosing the, the wrong pass to break the back line. So many times Derek Etienne was making good runs and no one is looking. Or Luis Araujo, he just got one time behind Palacios and it was a dangerous play. Uh, but we were not doing that very often. So we didn't get in the areas that we want in the final third for as much possession we had in the first half. Uh, and then when we got there, I think we, we picked the wrong choices. Like Derek Etienne, Derek Etienne in one time, I think, or Andrew Goodman, uh, I think he had a GG in the near post and he chose to play the cutback to Thiago. So we need to make better decisions there. Uh, I think we create two good chances at the end. Um, and, you know, at times you need to capitalize those to really make the difference and then try to get more momentum. I, I understand what Pineda is saying. I, I would also say these guys aren't rookies anymore. These are veterans who've played a lot of games and a lot of games together. The consistent poor decision-making shouldn't continue to happen but it does um i don't know here's Pineda talking about what needs to happen to combine last week's offensive performance and this week's defensive performance well it's a positive uh, it's, it's not great to tie i think we are always looking for the victory i think the first half is a reflection of that of the mentality of going on the front foot and try to dominate in possession uh but uh, we take the positive, and I think at times you have to have these type of performances, especially playing in the other conference. It's not easy, the travel and everything we go through, um, and we have to respect the opponent. They are a very good team. They have very good players, and I think uh, today defensively the team looks very good. And then here's Brad talking about the last time that he had to work this hard for a clean sheet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um... You know, listen. These these games, these sometimes it uh, it comes off like this as a goalkeeper. Um, last week didn't help the team, um, and uh, had to bounce back. And and tonight I was able to to make some saves and keep the clean sheet, and um, you know help us get a, an important important point on the road in a game where for sure in the second half we were second best. And so um, you know our backs were against the wall, but. To stay strong and, and stand tall and, and come up with some saves, uh, I was happy to play my part. Now, on the uh, 
penalty called by referee Joe Dickerson uh, in favor of Carlos Vela. You could see uh, Guzan talking to Vela before the penalty, and he was asked, what was that conversation? To be honest, I don't even remember what we're, what we're talking about. Uh, I think I might have been asking him his, his viewpoint on the penalty, and of course he's going to say it was a penalty, but I've not seen it back. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I, when I saved it, I, uh, I thought and f- felt like that was probably off the line a bit. Um, and then I saw the replay on the, on the big screen and kind of hard to argue that one. Um, and then, yeah, I was happy to see the second one go over the bar. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Brad did come off the line on that penalty. But also, soccer needs to come down with some sort of rule about the stutter stepping by attacking players. If the goalkeepers can't come off the line, the players taking the penalty kick should not be allowed to change his pace like several times in the run-up to the shot. It's, it's a ridiculous double standard. The attacking player already has the advantage with the fact that he's only got a score from 12 yards. But then he's also allowed to change the pace, make the goalkeeper have to stand there frozen. It's it's ridiculous. FIFA needs to change it. Um, but, you know, again, karma kind of played out because it was a dive. It was not a penalty. The diving by, by Vela is just it's ridiculous. Anyway, I'm a little salty today. Here's Franco Obara talking about the team's performance. Uh, I think we played a complete game. Uh, in the first half, we were able to play a little bit more. Uh, in the second half, we knew LAFC was going to come out uh, and, and come at us because they're a great team and, and they're playing at home. Uh, but overall, I think you know we kept a clean sheet. Uh, it was a solid performance, and I think it's a good result uh, considering we have another important game on Saturday. Now we're going to circle back to the big news yesterday of Lionel Messi saying that he is going to sign for Inter-Miami. The deal is not done. It is a complicated deal. There's been lots of reporting. I'm just going to synthesize the things that I've read, and multiple outlets have been reporting on this, so I, I can't, you know, I, I can't remember who all wrote what. But the deal is going to involve Adidas paying money for jersey sales, Apple paying money for increased subscriptions, and then Lionel Messi getting a deal, uh, a future chance at ownership of a franchise similar to what David Beckham got when he signed with the Galaxy, which turned into the Inter-Miami franchise. Now, in the past few hours, there have been all sorts of reports of all these other former Barcelona players being linked to join Miami. I would caution not to put too much into these because my Miami has a roster and there are rules and there are things that you can and can't do. And the number of players that are allegedly coming to Miami simply does not work with MLS roster rules. They would have to get rid of all their DPs. They have no TAM. The other report, and it's not finalized, is that Gerardo Martino, who managed Messi at Barcelona way back in the day, might be coming to manage Miami, which has an interim manager right now following last week's firing of Phil Neville. It'd be a heck of a get for Miami. I think Martino is a fantastic manager. I would caution those of you who are saying that he's going to come in and be an instant success because of what he did with Atlanta United in 2017 and 18 because the roster is already there. 
Martino was able to work with Carlos Bocanegra to build Atlanta United's roster for 2017 and 18. That is not possible now. The roster is full. There are DPs. There are TAM players. There's going to be a lot of tough decisions being made, and, and this team, uh, with two key injuries in the midfield, right now has some talent but doesn't have a lot of talent. So it would be a tough job for Tata, at least for the remainder of this season and possibly next season. Anyway, here's Pineda, who actually played against Messi, talking about the impact. Yes, I think it's a massive, uh, you know, uh, signing for the league, entire league, not just for Inter Miami. I think uh, we are all very happy for that. It's it's, uh, it's going to be good for the league in many many ways. Uh, obviously, on the on the field, number one, because he's a, an outstanding player, probably the best ever. Um, and then, uh, you know, marketing, you know. Uh, Everybody in the world is going to be aware of MLS, of all of us. So every time he's going to be in the stadium, it's going to be you know shut down. We already saw that prices of all the tickets are super high. So uh, there are going to be a lot of excitement when he's in the building in in Atlanta. In our case, in September 16, uh, you know uh, it's going to be a great match, and it's always nice to play against those type of players. You know, so for my players, I'm sure they are. Just uh, looking forward to that uh, game, and and it's going to be special for everyone in the league. And here's Guzan talking about the Messi news. I mean, listen, it's um, <laughs> there's not many players that are probably still around from when David Beckham uh, came to the league, uh, and I remember the impact that he had on the league and in the sport in general in this country. And I think um, I think. Messi coming here is going to have the same, if not bigger, uh, of an impact um, as when David Beckham came. And so to have him in the league, uh, it's only going to help the notoriety of Major League Soccer grow. It's only going to help our, our sport grow in this country. And so, um, you know, I think as players, we're, we're excited to, to have that exposure. We're excited to have him in our league. Um, and... Uh, you know, hopefully when, when we play Miami, we're able to, to go and get some uh, get some points and not have to worry about them too much. But um, overall, I think it's exciting for everyone involved in Major League Soccer. Now, Atlanta United will play at Miami in the League's Cup in July. I'll be stunned if Messi's on the field for that one. But then Atlanta United will host Miami September 16th in an MLS match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Atlanta United has already announced that it has opened the upper deck, which – uh, it was not previously scheduled to do so. So that brings the soccer configuration to around 68,000 or so approximately. I don't think there's a hard number on that. If you go into Ticketmaster or some of the other websites and start looking at the resale tickets, the really, really good tickets are going for more than $6,000. I looked this morning and wrote a little story. You can find that at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And the last person we're going to hear from is Franco Ibarra an Argentinian who, you know, has, I think, a unique perspective on the Messi news. I think it's something that's very good for all of us um, because he's, he's a player who's coming here and, and everyone's going to want to be watching MLS. So uh, we know there's going to be a lot more, more people watching the league. Uh, so I think it's, it's very positive. And on the quote sheet, uh, the team put out, it said that uh, Abara called Messi his idol. So I think that's pretty cool that some of the, the young Argentinians or older Argentinians in the league are going to get to face Messi. It'll be really interesting to see if uh, Tiago Almada faces Messi or if Almada will be gone in the summer window by then. 
We're going to come back with a mailbag. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more from AJC.com. Plus, you can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts so you always know what's really going on. We didn't get any voicemails today, uh, but I want to remind you of the number 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Shane and Daniel are standing by. Daniel is teaching Shane how to crochet, so they have a lot of time on their hands. Michael says, solid bounce-back game for Guzan. Well said, and it's true. Let's look at some of Guzan's stats really quick while I have them up on my computer screen here. Um, 90 minutes for Brad. He had 51 touches, 39 passes, 30 accurate passes for accuracy of 76.9. And he won possession nine times with eight saves. Pretty good performance for Brad. I got to imagine, uh, I don't know if there's a like MLS team of the match day because there was only two games last night, but he would he would definitely be on it. Um, Nick says, I don't want to talk about the embarrassment that was last night's game. Too late. Does it make sense to keep playing Arahujo? I don't think his contributions are a plus for the team, and it may make sense to start trying out options ahead of his departure. Maybe use him as a sub, if at all. I agree. This is why I asked Pineda on Monday if he was already considering starting someone else in Arahujo's place because he is going to be leaving after the Red Bulls game on June 24th. So that's three games from now, I think. But it was another night where he contributed, I mean, to be perfectly honest, nothing. A lot of giveaways. Um just looking at his stats, 81 minutes, one shot, not on target, 46 touches, 25 passes, 20 accurate passes, five passes in the final third. Passing accuracy in the final third was 40%, so all of his giveaways were there. Nine dribbles, only five successful, one tackle, one. You know, All the tricks are there, but the final product is just not there. It's just not. Um, and you, you've got to get more from a designated player. Another Nick, Nick with a K, friend of the podcast, says, I hope you enjoy your extra Doug coffee after staying up way past your bedtime for the game. I was up till 2 a.m. last night because Band of Brothers was on. 
and I paused it while I watched the Atlanta United game. I watched the first half over at my friend Tim's house, came back over here because he has like a job and kids and, and responsibilities, which, you know, I don't. Um, came back, watched the Atlanta United game, then watched some more Band of Brothers because I love it. Anyway, he says, my question is, since we're now halfway through the 2023 season, could you give us one positive takeaway and one negative takeaway? Sure. I am absolutely thrilled to do that. The one positive takeaway, 32 goals, second best in the league. The one bad takeaway, 28 goals allowed, second worst in the league. There you go. Chance says, hey, Doug, this is Chance from Lawrenceville. After a performance like that, should we expect more from the team for not performing up to their potential? Should we expect Pineda to adjust the tactics to better suit the game, or should we just be happy that Brad gave a miracle-like performance and that we tied a team that was clearly superior to us? Sure, we got a couple of decent chances, but even though possession says it was a 50-50 game, it felt like Atlanta was holding on for dear life. Still grateful for the tie and for your incredible coverage of United. Thanks for all you do and enjoy your call, Chance. Well, thanks, Chance. I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, at this point, the team is what it is. Uh, I don't think you're going to get surprised by too much. You may get that one outlier of a game, and you may get that one outlier of a performance, like maybe last night's defensive performance was an outlier. It was the team's fourth clean sheet this season. I don't know. But it is what it is, and it is what it has been for the past four years. It's just weird. And when I say it's what it has been for the past four years, the team is scoring great. It's also giving up goals, which isn't great. So those things are different, but it's just watching the team. It's the expectations of knowing if the opponent gets the ball, something bad is likely going to happen, which has been the case for the past few years. It's weird. It's just, it's weird. David says, at what point do we stop playing out of the back? Well, that's not going to happen. It feels like insanity doing the same thing and expecting a different result. I'd like to see a stat to see how many goals we have conceded from playing out of the back. I don't know how to figure that one out um, other than go and watch all the goals allowed. Uh, I mean, obviously, they didn't give up any goals last night from playing out of the back. I don't. I only think one of the New England goals came from playing out of the back. That's just off the top of my head. Alex, with a long one, says, Twelman, Taylor Twelman, remarked during last night's game that we looked like we were playing down two men, and I completely agree. Yeah, Taylor and I were exchanging text messages last night during the game, which was interesting. Anyway, Alex says, we were completely outplayed and only got a point because of a freakishly heroic performance from Guzan. Looking ahead, Atlanta Nadi could have eight to ten players leave this offseason from contracts expiring or sales. And among those are, well, unless options are not picked up, Guzan, Almada, Robinson, Huzetu, Alonzo, Lopez, Jop, Westberg, Barry. Uh, there, I think there's a couple more. The essential question for Atlanta United is then, has Pineda and Boca, have Pineda and Boca, earned the opportunity to lead the rebuild this offseason? Or should we really start with a clean slate and bring in a new GM and manager? Successful managers like Phillies Curtin would likely be available for the right price. What has Pineda or Boca, for that matter, done to earn another year in charge? I've answered this question many, many times on the podcast. What has Boca Negra done to earn the chance? Uh, three major trophies, 
safe penalty kick away from getting the host MLS Cup in 2019. Yes, the team has missed the playoffs two out of the past three years. Last year, Bocanegra can't do anything about injuries. Those are not his fault. So if you want to blame him for injuries, that's fine. Whatever. You can. Uh, you want to blame him for Joseph Martinez' SEL tear, which just destroyed the 2020 season? That's fine. Go ahead. You want to blame him for not having a good backup striker? That's fine. MLS rules are MLS rules. There's not too many teams that have good backup strikers. There's just not. No, nor has there been in history. What has Pineda done? Uh, you know, the last third of 2021, the team tied, I think, for tied Portland for most points in that span. Last year, all the injuries and aberration, you cannot hold it against him. And frankly, he still almost got the team into the playoffs, which to me is a fantastic coaching job. This season, yeah, I understand the frustration. I would, again, point out, scored the second most goals, has allowed the second most goals, but they're still fifth in the East, still above the playoff line. The roster, it needs fixing. There's a lot of things that need fixed in this roster. Um the team is contracted with a, a stats company, two stats companies. Let's start seeing what the, what the uh, results are. Let's start seeing who they bring in in this summer window because I think you're going to see more than Almada, well, more than Arahujo, possibly Almada, possibly Robinson, possibly Wiley leaving in this window. I think, well, I don't want to get into what I think yet. We'll save that. Adam says, first and foremost, a big tip over the cap. What kind of cap? If it's a giant orange foam cowboy hat, Adam, you have to send me a photo of you wearing it. For possibly the best performance in a five stripes kit, I'm very happy for our bald wall. Who'd have thunk Atlanta's Swiss cheese-inspired defense would shut out LAFC? Yep, it was a good, again, Guzan, save the team. And Adam, again, if you have a giant orange foam cowboy hat, Homer Simpson style, please put it on and send me a photo. Adam continues, I generally agree with your takes that Atlanta should consider playing a more counterattacking style, but last night hinted Pineda's side may not be up to the task. That's a good point. Atlanta lacked any cohesive structure in their efforts to push back against LAFC's offense, be it root one ball or some attempt at building possession, and it seemed the stripes rarely had more than two players working together in transition play last night. Too many errant passes, too many players left on an island. So how much of this was the caliber of last night's competition versus internal struggles for Atlanta? So let's just play a fun game. Well, you could you could play this game. Put LAFC's starting 11 up against Atlanta United's starting 11, player for player. How many of each would you put on the other's roster? In, in other words, let's say we're putting uh, Buanga up against Yakamakis. Who would get the start? Let's say you're putting Hollingshead up against, uh, I don't know, Robinson or, or, or Lennon or Gooman. Who would get the start? It's pretty even. The numbers would be pretty even. But LAFC's identity clearly worked for its home match last night, whereas Atlanta United on the road, it didn't. Uh, for the season, Atlanta United at home is a much different team, and it works there. It's hard. Again, I, I keep saying this, and I, I wish I had something better to tell you, but it's hard to figure out. I've hinted that I think it's part of the issue is the player scouting model that Atlanta United is using, um, which is why, despite different managers and different players, the style of play continues to be shaky sometimes. Um, the decision-making continues to be shaky at times. 
And that may be why uh, Garth made the decision to sign that analytics partner. We'll see. Eric with a K says, I'm not sure if you've recorded the pod already. I don't think I have, but I am pretty tired. If not, in honor of Brad Guzan's outing on Wednesday, please rank your top three goalkeeping performances. Uh, so Tim Howard against Belgium. Uh, that would be one. I think it was Tim Howard against Spain when the U.S. beat Spain in the Confederations Cup. That would be another. Guzan was pretty good last night. Uh, in Atlanta United matches, I think it was Bill Hamid for D.C. United in 2017 at Bobby Dodd Stadium, which is a fantastic performance. Um, but I'll try to give that some more thought, my friend. Rob, and he's saying this sarcastically, can we all finally agree that Brad Guzan needs to go? Tonight he showed he's clearly, in all caps, lost a step and can't compete at this level anymore. And then he did like one of those smiley face tears sideways things uh yeah rob is being facetious or as my friend doug bookout would say cat like email of the week time from christopher it's hours before this game because 10 30 is past my bedtime on a weekend let alone a weekday my question is about the other big news for major league soccer i have mixed feelings about lionel messi coming to miami i think he'll be great for the league but i struggle with the league of helping miami pay his salary Unless I'm mistaken, Miami is still being punished for lying about how much they were paying. He has LGP and Blas Matuidi, but I don't think LGP was a part of that. So why are we helping the team that mismanaged their roster continue to mismanage their roster? I would be a lot more excited about this news if I didn't feel like the team getting him was being rewarded for being punished. Are my feelings justified? Well, I can't tell you if your feelings are justified or not. You feel what you feel. Uh, I can understand what you're saying, though. It seems like, you know, Miami did some of its time last year. It's supposed to do some more time this summer. But then it's getting the arguably one of the greatest players in soccer history. Well, it's not really arguable. He is one of the greatest players in soccer's history. And might be getting all these other players. I don't know how in the world it's going to happen. But anyway. Or am I overthinking and being a negative Nancy and we should just embrace the amount of increased eyeballs on the league that follow one of the biggest names and smallest statures in the sport? Yeah, you know, this is uh, this is one of those moments that could, well, I, don't, I, I really don't know how it's going to impact Major League Soccer. It should result in a lot more subscriptions, a lot more eyeballs, which should result in a lot more revenue. Uh, from advertising and marketing and things like that, which should then eventually trickle to the teams, enabling them to spend more money on players. To do that, though, you have to alter the CBA and, and all these other steps. Or it could end up being like Gio DeSantos, who I thought was going to be a pivotal signing for the LA Galaxy. It could be like any number of signings that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s with, you know, hugely important but aged players coming into Major League Soccer. Um, I'm really curious how much uh, homework Messi has put actually into the league. Um, I mean, when journalists come walking into the Miami locker room after a home game, 
that cannot be something that Messi has ever seen and certainly not used to. I know this because there are Atlanta United players who this was a surprise to in their first home games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The travel, you could tell people about the travel, but until they actually do it, they don't know. And, I mean, the charter flights that these teams have, it's not luxury airliners uh, that they're in. I mean, it's great. They don't have to wait in lines, and they get from point A to point B a lot faster than you or I, but it's still not you know flying in luxury for most of the teams. It's heat. It's humidity. Uh, it's... A lot of things that, you know, you start adding up one little data point, another little data point, another little data point, and suddenly what seems like a fun journey becomes work, and then it's not so much fun anymore. But we will see. It's exciting for the league. I can't wait to see Messi play. Uh, I'm hoping he'll play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. There's no guarantee there have been it's a there's been a mix of big name players who have chosen to play on the turf or not play on the turf uh, at Atlanta United. Uh, we were talking about this in the Alex Timbakis Memorial trailer the other day. Uh, we so we don't know, and there may be part of the agreement is that if Messi's healthy, he has to play. He can't opt out of games for whatever reason, at least for this half season or for however long he ends up playing for Miami. Um, you know, and, and Tim and I were talking about this last night. It's not like there's going to be more young players from South America coming to Major League Soccer because there's already a ton that are inspired by Messi. Uh, I don't know how that number could possibly change. Um, because I mean, and Lenny United is a perfect example. They have they've had several in their seven years playing soccer, um, as have other teams. So I don't know what that effect is going to be. Attendance is obviously a huge thing, particularly with Messi. Every stadium is going to sell out, even those that don't typically sell out. But that's only a you know once or twice a season thing for however long Messi is here. Miami doesn't have its new stadium yet, so this is not going to help that unless Messi stays here until that stadium is complete and opened. So I don't know. It's just it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be fun. I'm glad it's happening. I, I just can't say what the long-term effect is going to be. All right. Uh, D.C. United, Saturday, 7.30 p.m. D.C. United is a good team. Uh, they are above the playoff line. Christian Benteke is becoming a force uh, in for D.C. United. Wayne Rooney is doing a very, very good job managing a team that was just god-awful last season and turning them into competitors this season. This is not an automatic three points for Atlanta United particularly the way that it's played the past couple of games. Um, but as always, you can follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.
The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein. And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.